we don't we don't have to get well, into the details. Yeah, because that that would be too close to you know compromising. Yeah, so, this, yeah. so this thing's already be, going. We're just gonna call it season five, episode yeah. three. <laughs> welcome Taylor. Welcome Joe. Glad welcome you guys Brian. are here. Thanks yeah. for having me. Let's so, do uh, this thing. Taylor and I are, are uh, pals through the music scene here in Na- Nashville where he is a singer-songwriter. And uh, Taylor has a new album out. And uh, Taylor also has some uh, news for us on his uh, jujitsu front. But first, let's just keep talking about music. Yes. And um, uh, why don't you just uh, tell us just the basics about the new release. Oh, it came out on the 5th, is that right? Um, it came out on the 12th. Oh, the 12th. Uh, okay. Yeah, on Friday. Um so oh, yes. this is such a timely show. It's yeah, like we it's scheduled perfect. it perfectly. I know. It just <laughs> happened to work out so well. Um, yeah, so it came out on Friday the 12th, and uh, I, don't, when, I don't know when this comes out, but... Friday the 12th. Like Friday the 12th. It doesn't quite have yeah. that. That's like a comedy. There is a comedy it, it, it called Saturday the 14th. It would have oh, been yeah. very close. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about that. <laughs> that could be the sequel to Saturday the 14th. Friday the 12th. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, hopefully, hopefully not as many people will be harmed. Uh, because of this release, so <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, it, it took a, it took a, a while to to get out. Um, I started no, no, it took a while to oh, make. I'm sorry, oh, yeah. you're kind of telling me what well, I'm answering, so I'll be yeah. quiet. But no, you, you started yeah. recording when? I, man, I we did the the bulk of the recording in in 2017. Uh huh. Um, I want to hear this story. It, and because the reason that I know this is because don't know how this. I just works. went to go do my taxes. <laughs> uh huh. And um, the guy Brennan Saint Gelais who um, produced the record with me, I I texted him while I was at the accountant or at the, you know at H and R block or whatever, and I was like, dude, I can't find my, my. I know I paid you to make this record, and I and I uh-huh. need to ten ninety nine or whatever. And he was like, no, dude, you paid me last year for right. that. And yeah. I was like, oh, God. <laughs> you don't get to write that off happen? twice, yeah. Taylor. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, the good like, news is you can amend your return. Yeah, you can. You can. But no, he sounds like you did it, but you just yeah, forgot because no, it was so long yeah, ago. No, it was so long ago, and I, yeah. I, I did it the, the previous year. And um, yeah, yeah, so we, we recorded it all, um, kind of some after-hour stuff at the uh, Smokestack over in kind of Berry Hill, uh, which is a, a really awesome studio um, owned by Paul Moak, who, who's made a lot of great records, mm-hmm. uh, write, r- written a bunch of great songs. Really um, quick, for, for people yeah. who don't live in Nashville or don't dream musical dreams and never been inside of a professional recording mm-hmm. studio what do you mean when you say after hours what does that mean okay um because this so, is a way that that independent musicians often yeah, can get things yeah, done no, totally um brendan at the time was he, he, he was like it was more than an intern now now he's an employee um but he basically could get could book time after the studio was closed. And now what was his, he was like an engineer producer there uh who was like learning the ropes and he was like the low guy on the totem pole. To an extent, but like he would be like, he'd be engineering projects for Okay. Stuff like he was, right you know, kind of like a staff engineer, I guess. And some of the compensation a guy like that gets is exactly. that I can bring acts in after hours when we're not yeah. on the clock, and yeah. I can do my own productions here because I make X amount of dollars, but I also get the benefit of being able to have the studio to myself. Yeah, you know, and, and borrow the, like a sweet U forty seven microphone exactly. or you know, right. stuff that you're yeah, not yeah, going to yeah. be able to have like your project studio. That, and that, yeah. you know, and that's exactly that was exactly kind of the deal. And um, and now, but, what, tell me his name yeah, again, uh, Brendan Saint Gelay. All right, so he is he. The the producer, the yeah. Cr- All right, so he's uh, the and he engineered it too. Okay, um, right on. And so, what is your? How did you get connected with him? Okay, so this is a good story. Um, I've known Brendan since I was probably ten. Uh huh. Um, when I was seven years old, my family moved from Georgia to uh, Ormond Beach, Florida, for about five years. 
uh, my dad got a job. And so we went down there and I met Brendan. I want to say I was, I think I was like maybe fifth grade, maybe 10 um, at church. And we were just buddies. And we were both really into, uh, you know, like Final Fantasy and uh, Lord of the Rings and stuff. And so we like hit it off. And then we just stayed in touch on, uh, you know, MySpace. And he was in a punk band. And I booked them up in Georgia after I had moved back um, and kind of gotten in the scene and stuff. And so we kept in touch. And um, he moved to Nashville a couple of years before I did with another friend of ours, Zach Zink, uh, who I knew at, uh, from Florida too, who also works at Smokestack. And, um, they they were roommates uh, in Nashville, and um, I I, I kind of got the wild hair. I was like, man, I'm gonna move, I'm gonna move to Nashville. I'm gonna do it. I'm finally gonna follow through and do it. And so I just texted Brendan, and I was like, dude, I I'm looking for somewhere to live. I want to just move to Nashville, just uproot. And he goes, well, good timing because I'm getting married in a month, and I need somebody to fill my room. Oh, great. So I did. I just like moved. I got his room, um, and I lived in that place uh, until I got married. Um, so I've known him a, a long time. And so it, it, it was kind of cool to now work in a professional capacity together in a creative capacity. Um, you know, all those great years stories later. started with like, dude, you can have my room. Yeah, probably a lot. <laughs> it sounds like it sounds like, a, and, and this seems like an interesting room because the only way out is you have to actually get married. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. Great room. There's a there's a bit of a catch. There's a catch, <laughs> but you can have it right now. Yeah, it's funny. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it, yeah. Well, man. Yeah. Well, luckily well, you married a beautiful, lovely lady who yes. is also a singer songwriter. Yes. And Lindsay Allen here mm-hmm. in town, and I met the both of you around the same time. Yeah, probably. Yeah. yeah. And so, uh, uh. And so when when was that? When exactly am I meeting you? Like around twenty seventeen ish, twenty sixteen ish, maybe? Yeah, maybe even earlier. I mean, yeah. um, I got here in twenty fourteen, the very beginning of twenty fourteen. So maybe like twenty fifteen. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, trying to think. Yeah, that's only four years ago. Where so that sounds exactly right. we met at? I don't remember, but we've played yeah. together at the country, yeah. the old the country, which yeah, is now, now the, the local. local. Yeah, uh, we've we've lived through at least one club name change together, yeah, and that's like <laughs> practically like you've been in a battle. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. did we meet at the building maybe maybe that may have been where it was maybe or um or even uh for a minute there remember wasn't Lindsay was hosting a songwriter night at bobby's yeah that and so been. i did that before too yeah so well, somewhere we in there we were there yeah 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 it's, so bobby's now defunct bobby's so know, there you go yeah, yeah so Bummer. that we lived Are bring it back too. though not that I'm aware of. I th- I'm pretty sure they're bringing it back. Oh, oh no, that's really? good. They're just like another location like, nearby just away, or something. Uh, away from Music Row? Because they already moved yeah. it once. Yeah. Pretty sure. But, you know, I don't, you can't keep up around here. That's the and story of the town. And it's hard, too, because it's like, it's hard. Like, it, we really have to ask ourselves questions about that in Nashville. Like, it's like, like the like the Gold Rush, for instance. The mm. Gold Rush was so drastically different from the original Gold Rush that when the when the Gold Rush recently closed, it was sort of like, yeah, it was kind of already closed, though, wasn't it, in mm-hmm. a way? Yeah. You know, even though it wasn't and people still like going there, but. Um, no, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's definitely that way, I think, with a lot of stuff is a lot of times they they've already switched names or switched locations twice before they yeah. actually end up going away. So and then, yeah, then people go crazy. It says a lot about a place like, yeah. where it's like, we're going to, we're going to buy something that's been functioning fine for like 25 years and then we're going to change it up and then, <laughs> and then die in a year. Yeah. It, that, that or, seems or, to happen Or we're going to knock it down for something that no one wants here except yeah. us and the people that, 
we're going to bring here. I don't know what this sounds terrible. We're all just complaining about Nashville, but this oh, happens over time. <laughs> over time, there's so much change in Nashville, and you're talking about making this record. And so you guys got started on this in 2017. 2017, yeah, that's right. So I believe that we actually started tracking in October of 2017. Mm-hmm. So kind of towards the that's end. Late, yeah. Um, and I, I put together is is so. Really, it was a bunch of my friends that played on it. So Drew mm-hmm. Cole, who's been playing, um, we've been playing music together uh-huh. since like 2012. Also a singer songwriter, yeah, in his also own a right. great songwriter. Yeah. Um, and he also he also ended up living with me at that apartment. Okay, uh, when the next guy moved out, uh-huh. uh, 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 Drew moved up and lived there um, for a couple of years. Um, and then Taylor Jones played drums. Um, he was in that awesome band, The Vespers, uh-huh. for a long time. Um, and the way that I know him is because his brother was the landlord of that apartment. <laughs> this apartment's pretty yeah. weird. Because their yeah. fans like, <laughs> hate Ashbury. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. really yeah. cool. Yeah, it's like it, the, the, the dead house. That's kind of what it reminded me. Because uh, his family owns a restaurant uh-huh. in front of it, the Dairy King there, uh, which is like a... Dairy meet. King? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, on the... Uh, Tell on, me, where, where are you? Where is this at? This was over uh, Thompson, East Thompson Lane, like uh, Murfreesboro, oh, okay. Murfreesboro oh, okay. Road. Okay. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So it's I guess it's Woodbine. Yeah, that's a great area. Yeah, it was really great. Um so I that's how I met the Joneses and then me and Taylor just hit it off because we met at the Dairy King because I used to go down there and eat um, you know because I was every still day pretty much literally, <laughs> yeah, almost every day because the food's great and it was a meet and three and it was like really inexpensive and I could like eat like w- my one meal you know uh-huh. and like be fine all day so <laughs> I, by the way another little Nashville filler we should do is explain what a quick, quickly what a meet and three is oh, sure yeah because yeah. people don't really know well you get um, you get like one main course like one meat you know like maybe it's like fried chicken day or like roast it, beef roast beef day or whatever yeah. and then you get three sides so you can pick from like you know your mashed potatoes and okra and uh, collard greens and stuff like that. You cream know, all, corn, beans, and everything you can yeah, make. Yeah, cornbread or a roll. It's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, that's the thing. But anyway, go ahead. Mac yeah. and cheese. But he would just see me in there just about every day, and eventually he he's like he's never met a stranger in his entire life, Taylor Jones, and so he just like walked up to me because I'm like pretty shy and I don't like introduce myself to people, and, uh, and we just got to talking and hit it off, and I figured out that he was Bruno's brother, and um, and then. Um, he actually played on my EP that I did like in 2016 or before 2015, 2016. Uh-huh. And so I just, I, I, I got him for the, the record too. And then bass was uh, Cameron Karras, who um, I met at the building yeah. um, with uh, him and Darren Bradbury moved here together. Yeah. Um, they kind of, they kind of rolled in the same day as I did at yeah. the building. We just kind of all met cause we were all the new yeah. guys and they came in from New Jersey, right? Yeah, I guess. I don't know where they yeah. had been before that, but they came rolling in and all three of us ended up kind of sp- sweeping the floors at the building. Mm-hmm. And eventually I was running sound there and that was like, kind of like my, you know, my job a few days a week. Uh, Cameron was like running the door and Darren would be, you know, running the door or, or you know, whatever. Yeah. And, so I we think, all just kind of like think, hung out there. I think when I first met you, it was at the tail end of you doing that because that I think be. you were still running sound there mm-hmm. when I met you. So it was somewhere around that era. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. that sounds about right. 
Yeah, so that's a good. So Cameron played on there too, and Cameron plays with plays with Darren, and he also plays with uh, Tim, Tim Carroll. Carroll yeah. Like at Tim Carroll's five spot yeah. happy hour every Friday, usually Cameron's yeah, down there. Yeah, Cameron's been on the road. He's usually playing with yeah. Tim. Yeah, um, I love. I, I really like him a lot, man. Just yeah, as, a, as a like a person. I mean, as a person, sure. But also as like in on the stage, he's really good. He's got a great personality. He's super chill. And yeah, like, but he's he's very yeah. good at the bass. Yeah, he's like, very good. He's, he's like a classically trained. He's like yeah. a good example of a guy who like is really technically knows what he's doing, but also understands like how to get down in funky groove yeah oh, so one thing a listener might not know also yet mm-hmm. is what kind of music are we talking about here uh, are we uh, talking about death metal yes are we yeah, yeah. death country death. Yeah. Oh, now there's a thing yeah. Yeah. that's probably already a thing yeah. <laughs> like Pantera is kind of like had a little bit of southern cowboys from hell Pantera was rad yeah they were um, no it's country I guess I, I'm fine with just saying country um kind of you know singer songwriter country stuff um mm-hmm. is yeah i'm comfortable with that mm-hmm. i guess sometimes i say alt country depending on the you know yeah the person <laughs> well for some i mean some people might your country is is a more traditional version of country music than what people normally would hear on contemporary commercial country radio. my how Probably, the pendulum yeah. has swung right you have right, to yeah. do you have to describe yeah. to, to be a more authentic naturalistic country yeah music you, you have, have to, to describe yourself as being <laughs> uh alt or yeah like well it's country music but like how did that happen yeah you know what i mean yeah um now here we are with hip-hop Sure. <laughs> well, now, yeah, it's it's. I think you know. I've thought about this a lot actually, and I think it's interesting. But um, I think that if you were to poll uh, people who say they listen to country, like they're more than willing to say that Garth Brooks, Merle Haggard, and um, like Florida Georgia Line are all in the same genre. Like that, uh-huh. it's all country. Yeah. So they may like some more than others, but like, I don't know, like just like I I've, I've played down on Broadway for a bunch of years, um, and I you know I get like a, a pretty good read of like right. what people are just like general normal people that come in to hear country, like what right. they're into, and it's funny because you'll have a lot, and this kind of shocked me because I would have thought it would have been a lot more like quarantined. But you have like a guy who wants to hear something top 40s and current, and then the next song he wants to hear is "He Stopped Loving Her Today." Yeah, you know. So and I then think he wants to hear like Foggy Mountain Breakdown. You never know. Just yeah. bluegrass, fucking 100 miles an hour. Yeah, it, it's totally true. So I yeah. think I think there's there's a decent amount of like overlap in that kind of stuff. So yeah, people that's, that's I think actually, people kind of like a little bit of everything. Yeah, you know? I think. Well, you know, it doesn't surprise me because I mean, generally speaking, I like a little bit of everything across mm-hmm. every genre and within every genre, and and I also true. think too, I think that. We also can get, I just feel like the media, because the media deals in oversimplification of everything, I think that just like they try to tell you that like, oh, there's only, you know, two points of view in politics. It's like they also try to tell you that, you know, well, there's this thing and that thing. It's also about marketing. You know what I mean? It's like, well, this is is the real country music. And And so it, it sets up like this contention that, like you say, for people who actually just love this music, it's like. I just kind of like it all. You know what I mean? I, I think love a lot, Candy I think, Chesney. Yeah. I also think, you know, uh, you know, whatever the most like alt thing in the world is, I love Wilco too or whatever. Sure. <laughs> I, 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 think, I think that's true for, I mean, I, obviously there are people that only like the old stuff and they hate the new stuff and, yeah. they're, and, they're, and they're not afraid to say it. Um, you know, which I mean, I'm not. That's stay totally, off the lawn. Yeah. I mean, um, there's definitely, there's a little bit of everything and there's, you know, I, I just I found that to be interesting lately is that 
you'll find uh, it seems to be there's a lot of people that are just kind of down with everything as long as it feels country for whatever mm. reason and maybe that's the the real discussion what is, is that? what yeah, makes it yeah you know? yeah what is that what is is it is it what is it <laughs> you know i think that hank williams kind of said that it has something to do with the um almost the perspective of it uh-huh um i can't remember his exact quote but i heard i, I feel like i read something about it yesterday but um I think that's kind of what it is. I think it's just, it just happens to be the honest perspective of those, this maybe, and you can say, you know, maybe it's just marketing for some of it. Uh-huh. But there is like, there are certain types of people that were giving their perspective and that was country music. You mm-hmm. know, first it was hillbilly music, mm-hmm. you know, and it was made by those kinds of people. But then, you know, like, there are plenty of guys that were making that style of music that weren't hillbillies mm-hmm. at all. They were from Texas or they mm-hmm. weren't poor. Yeah. So it's really, I think it just has, I think you just have to believe it when you're singing it. And I think that that's the, that's what people mean a lot of the time is that they can tell when something's <laughs> not country or something. Cause they, I think what they're saying is I don't believe them when they, when they're singing. I would suspect yeah. though, there's also an aspect of it that's based in just the lyricism in the sense that, even if the uh, even if the technology and the playing ability and the you know uh, progression of the, the the music has evolved, there's the the lyricism has to remain uh, familiar, right? Like and of some normative conversational sort of quality, right? Like you you can't you can't use there's certain language or words you just wouldn't choose. You could be like, man, I really just you know the word ubiquitous is really what i want to say here but like you're not gonna say like there's certain (laughs) yeah maybe so um it's hard to say now honestly because um i think it's kind of one of those ambiguous kind of esoteric things really because there's i mean it's kind of a weird i mean you can say it about any genre that's the thing it's like well what's punk yeah. You know? yeah. Well, yeah. is the Ramones punk? It's like, yeah. well, is the yeah, Clash but, punk? But is Minor, Patty Threat, Smith punk? Minor Threat's punk? Yeah. You know, is Fugazi punk? I don't know, yeah. maybe. So, <laughs> and, and people are going to argue about that forever until the end of time. And, and I think the same thing is kind of with country. And I think you could say the same thing about punk, maybe. It's like, oh, well, it has to be the attitude, and you have to believe it, and you have to, uh-huh. maybe there's a, there's a DIY ethic that goes along with it, but maybe not, because there's also pop punk, and there's, you know, there's mall punk you know Uh so it's like like the clash playing stadiums sure is that still punk anymore i don't know i don't know uh the the correct answer um maybe it's like that old saying what was that there was a politician that said one time when he was like i don't know how to define pornography i just know it when i see it (laughs) right i think that's kind of how it is with country music it's like or like kind of just know it when you hear it yeah 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 yeah, yeah. another politician said uh depends on what your definition of the word is is (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. but uh, yeah to some degree there's some greatest philosophers yeah there's some truth in these like uh, you know these just it just saying you know it it becomes a little absurd and and we can sort of point at anything if it's real or something and and I understand what yeah, you mean by and that. I don't know and maybe it doesn't even have to be um you know like you don't have to be um american you don't have to be from the south you don't have to be poor uh you don't have to be uh you don't have to have a southern accent to make mm-hmm. country music you mm-hmm. know like you can be canadian there's there's yeah. people you know like there's a lot of really yeah, Australian. country you ever heard of Shania Twain? <laughs> that's canadian yeah yeah uh, the, you know you can be from a lot of you know i think 
it, it's not so it, it there's something there's a maybe an undefinable qual- quality about it um, i think there's a well I'm one thing exactly I, sure honestly you know is, is, whether i whether i like it or not or whatever i do one thing i do appreciate about sort of the growth uh, or expansion of a lot of country music is that the uh and this is i'm not saying there wasn't profound levels of musicianship in country music before uh-huh. in the olden times or the revered purest times i mean that's some of the best mm-hmm. musicianship that yeah, you can possibly beautiful. hear however you know the times now like uh, uh we had travis vance on who's the uh friend who you know he plays uh he plays bass with thomas rett and, oh yeah yeah and uh you know and i've, I've no you know I, I produced like his old band and back in the mm-hmm. day and have seen him sort of go through his sort of machinations to then now be in this world and you know i saw them playing saturday night live you know a few weeks ago or whatever it was and they were playing a basically like a soul review like mm-hmm. it was it was uh, at a at a glance there's nothing about it that would remotely connotate country mm-hmm. and the the sophistication of what they're playing like i was actually like teasing him a little bit because i was like yeah I saw what you snuck in there on, you know, he, you know, uh, mm-hmm. like one about the minute and a half mark, you know, like he's playing insanely complicated, fun, weird shit, you know, uh, inside this facade that is not even necessarily country music. But what is? But, 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 so again, like, yeah. what is that? Right? So who cares? It's, it's it's yeah. I mean, I think it's just music of people I by think, people. You know, I'm, honestly, yeah. a lot of it's marketing. Obviously, yeah. I mean, just like with anything else, I mean, um, I. I, I think that's one reason that is kind of hard to peg down is because mm-hmm. you can all have I mean you can almost call anything country you mm-hmm. know at this point it's like you not, know not any of my records yeah well <laughs> you know but I mean like if you mention a truck then maybe you could make an argument for yeah. it I guess you know? I don't know like, I only talk about just some I think if song we, titles alone you can make it a country sometimes album. I wonder if it doesn't just boil down to where the record label is based yeah yeah good point you know? some sort of fundamental regionalism yeah you know, assign it either by artist or by where the things are printed yeah. or like something whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I don't know I, you know what, whatever award show you want to be on um, let's get back to the to the. I want yeah, to hear more, a little bit more. Rabbit no, we, we love to do <laughs> that. We love to do that. But I but I think it's important that we just at least get through. We don't have to go through all the details. But you assembled this team of guys, you know, to play with you. Yeah. And you guys started tracking in the fall of 2017. Mm-hmm. And by the by Christmas, are you guys done with all the most of the tracking? Or um, probably the vast majority of it. Uh-huh. Um, we tracked. So we tracked live. Um, me on acoustic, uh, Drew on electric rhythm, and some songs, like you'll hear on like, I believe on Passing Lane, he just went straight into the guitar solo and uh-huh. then came back to rhythm, and I don't think we tracked another guitar. Uh-huh. So some of it's like that, uh, and then yeah. we had bass and drums, and that was all live. So we did... Um, I well, like that, just I, to it record that core song. band. Yeah, we didn't do 10 like that, because one song, uh, two songs don't even have the full band. Uh-huh. Um, but all the full band songs you did like that uh, and then I would do like a live uh, vocal pass yeah. but um, then we would overdub that and then we overdubbed steel and we overdubbed keys and then like um, extra stuff too like I went in on a couple of songs and played vibraphone mm-hmm. um, I played like mandolin on one or two um, there's like some some extra stuff that yeah, we overdubbed yeah. um, but you know that core band's live um we so we probably had almost all of it done and then i ended up cutting a song from the list Mm. um we had already recorded it but i just for some whatever reason i didn't really like it all that much right and i ended up 
we ended up coming back into the studio to cut um, the song I Guess I Moved On which is the next to last track on the record so that was a you came back to do a different one yeah okay uh-huh. after you cut the yeah, first one um, and then I mean honestly then it probably sat with the tracks for a while we probably got a board mix and then I think I I think then me and Lindsay just kind of like you know we're working extra hours for a while till we could afford to have it mixed mm-hmm um, and then we had it mixed. It, so that's why kind of everything yeah. took so long. Is because yeah, like yeah. we ended up spending, we wanted to spend our money on mixing and mastering. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that we didn't spend money on tracking because we did. But you obviously but were trying to be efficient with the we tracking. We were trying to be more efficient yeah. with it. Yeah, exactly. So and that's actually uh, the and part. like I paid all the guys, but they didn't get paid. You know, master scale, right? You know, right? Yeah, yeah. Because um, yeah. I couldn't afford to. But yeah, you know. Well, at least you're focused on those things because that's where a lot of people fall off. They put all their, they front load all of their budget on hiring players and all this stuff. And then when it comes to actually speaking the truth with a mix and getting the, the, the hot, that picture put together, they can't, they can't do it as well as they'd like. Can I ask real quick, how are you recording there? Are you recording to tape or are you recording to a hard drive? No, we just, we recorded uh, into Pro Tools. Yeah, yeah. Um, And I guess it, maybe a hard drive. I don't know. That, Mm. that part of the process is kind of over my head yeah but digital um, recording versus yeah, digital, you, the yeah. extra cost of the recording yeah, on tape and all this but stuff. we recorded they have like and I, I apparently this is a thing um i but i may i may be describing it incorrectly but apparently their console sounds a certain way mm-hmm. so we recorded into that console so that a, yeah and then mixed out of that i guess that's yeah a, that's a legitimate huge deal yeah yeah, yeah so for sure they, i don't know if i'm explaining that right but no no so so what so what that's about is like for anybody that doesn't know how recording works on a multi-track level is like you have different sounds that are running on different sort of tracks right they each have their own little fader they each have their own little eq or whatever exactly and you can you can carve and you can make all these things to be exactly what you want to sound good uh but like a, a good console and especially vintage interesting electronics consoles have a way of it's it's called summing so um even when things are recorded digitally people will then uh output those tracks through uh, the individual tracks of a console to then be consolidated and grouped and the circuitry that is inside the console essentially that process of you know there's there's a weird electronic kind of alchemy that kind of happens uh, when you take you know 16 tracks of audio and consolidate it to two or four tracks or you know whatever it is that you're doing to your sort of final print uh, and so that process is legit uh, like a really important uh um, piece to, to mm-hmm. giving something uh, and what it amounts to is like if you're listening to it in earbuds or headphones or on good speakers you just really get a better sense of a, a more naturalistic sonic image and it has mm. more depth it's not just things being center left and right there's a feeling of front and back yeah. and rear corners it feels like you're in a space so that's, that's really, really what we were going for yeah, yeah for so, sure so that's what so that's where that goes and then the other thing people do and they probably did this for years or maybe did this for years but they will print to analog tape as well so there's a couple of like uh, post-processing kind of things that you can even you know, even though you recorded something digitally because that's super efficient um, and all that and convenient uh, you're not splicing tape and doing all this you know mm. things but you can still run that stuff through analog processes whether it be console and tape or, or yeah. whatever to get uh, the, a sound yeah, yeah I, the benefit I, of that like vintagey warmer sound that you can only yeah. get if you run it through equipment like well, that yeah. or to those old materials I, I know I know yeah. that they have the capability to do that there yeah um, I don't think we did mm-hmm. um, I 
I don't I don't think so. Yeah. But but they do they can track um two tape there, in mm, fact. Yeah. Um but that's is kind of a whole nother um uh, process. You know, I mean kind of I'm I'm a too. fan of uh any way that you might want to choose to do it, because like Brian is saying too, it's like there's any number of ways of combi- combi- combining things to get a great sounding record. Sure. Yeah. And I think um uh but I'm just curious about like what people's processes are. But one thing that things, you know, in terms of my recording projects and your recording project that you're describing now the main thing i think that i've had in common with you so far is that um i've gone through the same thing man of like you just have to do this thing where you get some money together and you take a step forward and then you take another step when you get the money together you know what i mean and you can't if you don't have the if you don't have the budget to mix then you don't you like you end up trading time for money you know it's like you can't you don't have the money to spend but if you just wait a little bit longer you'll be able to get it because exactly. you'll be able to get the money or whatever yeah you know? and, and you know I you know we're pretty me and Lindsay are pretty proud to say that we were able to self fund the whole project yeah it's awesome we just knew that it was going to take a long time and it took almost two years uh-huh. um, because we also one big thing was that we did not want to just release it into the world without some sort of a marketing budget. Uh-huh. And so that was a whole nother thing that it's we saved up for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's expensive. So like, it's been, honestly, it's been a lot of biding our time and like uh-huh. say in saving money. Cause we, um, you know, I think I've had a mixed mastered album and I think with finished album art, well, at least a mix and mastered album done in a Dropbox folder since last June. <laughs> Literally. Yeah. Done. Like, yeah. At, exactly but, what you hear now. Yeah. Um, and then we were getting together the album art and we were getting together, you know, kind of the, you know, the pieces of uh, the other media press release kind of stuff, right? Right. Um, all getting that together and that took several months, mm-hmm. you know. Did you guys do the, like, the uh, publicity stuff by yourself or did you hire somebody? Um, we hired someone. Okay. Yeah. Um, what I, did you think of that process? Because we've I, talked to people on the show who've said, oh, it was a great process and then other people who've been like, I don't know if I would do it again. Um, I think that it was absolutely integral mm-hmm. to doing, like, the record. Like, um, it, I, you know, because you never, it's, it's definitely a risk. You're rolling the dice because, especially with somebody like me, because, basically a no name mm. so you're trying to get um single exclusives and premieres and stuff uh-huh. off of on blogs no and name, magazines basically. and things like this yeah exactly yeah. Uh, mostly online publications nowadays uh-huh. right um and they don't really have name recognition to work off of uh-huh. so you're really crossing your fingers uh-huh. um but just that they'll take a chance to listen to it and say yes, no i like this yes. i want this on my playlist and it's uh to me it was worth every dime and then some um because i think it did afford us some some press opportunities that we frankly would not have been able to get mm-hmm. otherwise like you know like i was on wsm on monday mm-hmm. um on coffee country and cody and I got to talk awesome. about the new record and yeah. they spun a tune on WSM and like that's not an ask that I think I could have reasonably got on my own yeah cool um, so I, in my opinion if you're gonna independently put out a record and you feel like it's your best work and you feel like it sounds up to snuff like if you can if you are willing to get an extra job or play some extra gigs and not release your record for another six months, I would highly recommend that you. That's so hard for that. people to do, right? That's what we it's did. Like, it's like it, burning a hole in your consciousness was, to sit on it. Yeah. It was extremely depressing, honestly, <laughs> yeah. because like 
I mean, I don't mind saying, like, I was working at a warehouse, like, and working some night stuff and doing, like, just, like, really working hard and knowing the whole time that I have a record that I really want people to hear and I'm really proud of it. And that's rough. But, like, you're like, oh, you know, all all you want to do is play shows, right? Gotta do it right. And and I just have to remind myself, it's like, every time I'm like, in that that truck delivering that furniture, Mm. like, just a cup, you know, we're just, this is a means to a very yeah. specific end, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. what was the shelf life of that? Like, so for instance, like, <clears throat> I guess my question is, um, you know, I've seen a lot of, uh, in, in all my years of like producing and engineering records and all that, I've seen more second guessing uh, than probably most human beings have ever seen uh, per capita or whatever. And, you cannot so so you you can't convince people to say this is done Mm-mm. they yeah. always want it to feel like that there's still something open that can be kind of uh touched or messed with and they will second guess the the you know the songs or their effect or the sequence yeah yeah, uh, yeah. or what is going to be the <laughs> single or you know whatever and they, and you can't get people to decide on anything and the only reason that anything gets done is because of just the the nature of time and just decisions have to get made and so i always like to try to keep things really tight so that people just make a fucking decision so uh, yeah. like right so i guess what i'm curious about is you don't have anybody that's telling you like you you know maybe your producer to some extent or somebody right you've probably got some mentors and people around but i guess what i'm saying is like you're left to your own devices ultimately to chew on this so then you have this stagnant you're you have this kind of uh tense tension because you're you're working to, to do the next part the right way and then you you know are you going back and revisiting this stuff and second guessing them because here's the thing every everybody's last project for a little while is the best thing they ever did and then quickly becomes the like that's my old shit and they're tired of it yeah, yeah. so like and it's hard to keep your your perspective on that so mm-hmm. i guess i'm just curious what what you did were you embattled with your own material through that time yes uh and you know like i said earlier i cut re- a song off the record right. and, and re-recorded a different song yeah um i once I sequenced the record, um, and I, I just kind of, I, what I would, I would sit down with a pad of paper and with like the board mixes and just kind of see where I felt like they flowed. And then I had the final sequence fairly early, um, like once they were recorded. And I was like, okay, this is, this is good. This is how I want it. I know I want this to be the last song. I kind of had a rhyme and reason to it. Um, but then there's the whole, internal battle of okay i know what order they're in but all of, but I, the, all of these suck right like <laughs> you know like that like on on monday all of the songs yeah, yeah right because like on monday all of it, i gotta yeah. be the perfect order all of this is terrible. they're all awful this sucks like why am i even bothering i should have gone to college on monday and then by thursday you're like okay no you know what I'm, this is i'm really proud of this this is great and that's why that's why for me is like that's why i'm glad that i have Lindsay in my in my ear just being like no th- this is this is objectively good like people yeah. are like people are gonna like these songs just and then i would just kind of defer 
to more level-headed people because if it's up to me like we're never gonna finish recording the record yeah we're not because like i can listen to it now and be like man ah i could i should have done this uh should have had this going on but then like no one notices that stuff except for me yeah um and if they and if they do notice then they haven't um they haven't like put it on the internet to like harass me yet so um yeah, I think it's super important to have some some people that are a, a little bit more like objective because mm-hmm. you can't be objective about your own work. I don't think, mm-hmm. and I don't think anybody would say that. But you still, be, there's you know? the whole other concern of like even just you, did you have it mastered pretty well early? Did you sit on it mastered for a while? Yes. Also, so yes. that's the other thing because yes. that's a whole other thing. So anybody doesn't understand what mastering is. Once you've done the whole thing and it's down to two tracks, you still got to put it through this kind of kind of a photo finishing sort of process that makes the the dark colors not too dark and the high colors not too bright and give definition the to the shapes the and the forms. So, yeah. yeah, so like yeah. you want things to That's be level, huge. you yeah. want things to sound good across all systems and and there's it's a process and it's weird too because you get really used to hearing stuff uh, in the studio that you recorded in or on the speakers that you have and then you've got to start oh, hearing man. how it translates to other things or people's shitty boom boxes or, yeah. or whatever and you're just like, oh my God and it, it creates all this anxiety. So and that, and so that is fully outside of the creative choices of sequence or whether I like mm-hmm. the song or not there's this other yeah. thing of just sonically evaluating the job of the mastering and hoping that that and that so those people that do that are, are you know scientists and, and they do a pretty damn amazing job but it yeah, is a process and it is subjective and it is an art form unto itself and it can make you go effing crazy well mm-hmm. I'll tell you one thing that really helped me with that is me and Brendan spent a lot of time kind of like sitting around listening to records um, uh, that that like I thought sounded really cool and that he thought sounded cool and we kind of thought maybe we can, you know, take some ideas from the recording and the mastering from these records and, you know, not rip them off, but just kind of get an idea of what we're going for. Yeah. And then once I felt like he understood what I was going for, I just let him go for it. And so when we can would you tell get, us a couple of those records that you're thinking about? Oh yeah, for sure. So I dark side of the moon yeah um <laughs> specifically i just wanted uh, to sound like some of the most expensive long form production yeah. that's ever been done yeah exactly yeah, yeah. um i think let's see so some definitely uh grievous angel by graham parsons uh-huh. was one um it that i don't think that record sounds necessarily like my record like they had a um like a i mean i think like a lot of elvis's guys played on that record hmm um, I know Al Perkins is playing Steel and Dobro, um, like great legendary players. But to me, that record sounds really lively and like it sounds like a band that's f- having a good time together. Yeah. Um, and it's from, you know, it came out in like 73 and I still think it like holds up. It sounds good, mm. um, but it, it doesn't sound too... Um, there's some records from that era that sound dated mm-hmm. and that one to me aged well um, and I also really like the songs and yeah. you know sequence and stuff and so um, we listened to that one we listened to um, uh, there's a Towns Van Zandt record uh, called Flying Shoes mm-hmm. that um, <clears throat> we listened to a decent amount um, that one's definitely probably more produced in a lot of ways maybe some people would say overproduced but I think it's kind of charming mm-hmm um, I'm trying to think of some of the other records. There are probably like some alt country records, you know. Um, 
so it was sort of about like the tone of the record or the mood of the record yeah, or all know, those things and and we deviated away from really reverb heavy records uh-huh. um, because we didn't want we didn't want it to sound like we were trying to make a 70s record uh-huh so I know exactly what you're you know talking what I mean? about. Yeah, because it, you can still use spring reverb in in a sparing way now, and it can and we sa- did for sure. And it can yeah. sound really <laughs> you can sound really good crap out of some yeah. spring reverb. But you don't want to just like triple down on it no. and make it like dripping kind of a reverb uh, sort of facsimile of some other time. Yeah, yeah. and and uh, you know I, I think we uh, we were listening to um, like some Travis Meadows records because uh, a lot of his stuff is really song forward. Um, you know, he's like the he's foremost a songwriter, right? So mm. I liked how they their production choices around how do you push a great song to the front with but still have like a cool arrangement and still have a band, uh-huh. right? And like Guy Clark records are really good for that too. Um, so oh, we did I say to, spring reverb, I mean like a plate reverb, that too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you mean. Yeah, uh, yeah. We use that, uh, but like, but you can, I think you can cross a line into. Everything is so reverby that you know that you're going for. Oh, you're trying for it to sound vintage. So mm. we kind of steered away from that on purpose and just went. We're not going to make this sound like a modern pop record, uh. but we're not going to try to make it sound old. Right? We're yeah. just going to make it sound current and and timeless. That's was cool. The word that Brendan. So, kept like, what about for. the lyrical themes? Right? Like, is, are, sure. there, are there? You know, is it something <laughs> where you feel like you know, like if you you know, if you read your diary from you know three or four years ago you're like geez you know like i was Uh so worked up about that you know Mm -hmm. or whatever uh was there anything that you felt like i'm you know it seems like more things are universal than not so yeah but i guess i'm just curious about like if you felt like lyrically things got away from you over time or if you feel like it's actually kind of before you put the record out yeah or like if it's something where it's you know kind of cultivated with you in a way and and, okay because i know how it is like we're meaning Um, the meaning of a song for a songwriter has a a life of its own over time yeah that's um it's hard to say um i i haven't outgrown any of them yet but i i will say that i thought i had for the title track because mm-hmm. I wrote the title track Good Old Fashioned Pain yeah Good Old Fashioned Pain when I was I don't think we've mentioned the name yeah, of the record yeah, the uh, record's called Good Old Fashioned Pain <laughs> my name's Taylor Alexander yeah. um, I probably didn't even induce myself um, I think that's on us no, that's on me, I should be better at knowing how to market myself um, I wrote that song when I was like 19 mm-hmm. I think and I, I, I'm 27 so like I've had that song forever and my old band Young America recorded it and did a limited release of it and I was gonna that was gonna be the title track for our full so it just as a single um I believe it was on an EP oh okay um it's it's out of print it was like very limited Mm -hmm. that we did it um years ago um that and that was the only song that kind of like survived um and I've had that song forever and almost in its current form Mm -hmm. um instrumentally and everything yeah um, well that's a common thing too right like a lot of people have songs that they've that are they, they consider very defining that they've just it's never gotten like the treatment yeah you know and mm. so sometimes they'll well, hold on to it longer to kind of yeah you know, to elevate of, it like i kind of like i definitely disassociate from a lot of my old songs like all, all of them except for that one right and when i moved to nashville i did i did that again because i i came from a pretty small 
music scene in Georgia, and it's not that there weren't good songwriters there to to watch. Whereabouts where were we? Um, I like I was playing a lot in like Athens. Okay. Um, so I I'm from a a town called Flowery Branch. Um, and I lived kind of there, you know, towards... That's an amazing you know, name for a town. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a little... It's a pretty small little town, but uh-huh. now it's kind of more of a suburb of Atlanta. Uh-huh. Um, and I, you know, I was in a band, Young America, and we play a lot in Athens, and there was not much of a country... Like, the country scene was all mostly... Um, bands that were playing like bars like bar and grill specifically mm. and there was a there was a um a circuit and still is to an extent of guys that were there are more guys that are like going back and forth to nashville trying to do the um you know the nashville country thing right so like we were trying to do like we we're an alt country kind of more into that sort of stuff and doing stuff that you know was definitely leaning more towards traditional in our set mm. like if we were doing cover stuff in athens like we would do you know, we would probably be throwing in like, um, we'd probably do like a Wilco tune here and there, but we'd be, you know, we were starting to flirt with like Merle Haggard and George Jones mm-hmm. songs, but we were like all kind of punk rock kids. So we were kind of teaching ourselves how to play that style of music. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were like, you know, starting to lean towards that sort of stuff. And there wasn't as much of that going on unless, you know, obviously there was a drive by truckers. Um, and like, there was a few other bands that were kind of doing the alt thing, like the future birds are still around now and they were playing, um, and so like, but they were, all, they were all on another level, right? Mm. They were all bigger and like touring and we were just kind of like doing like small bars, right? Yeah. Like we, you know, um, so when I came here and I saw, you know, like, I mean, for God's sake, like I was seeing Tim Carroll play songwriter night and I was like, man, like I have to rewrite everything that I have because like. <laughs> You know, uh, that's what Nashville does. Yeah, and, yeah. and that's super. I, honestly, that is that is one of the incalculably positive things about coming here. Is like you 100%. can't. You I don't know. It's almost like going off to college for songwriting. Mm-hmm. You come here and you just get a crash course, and like that's good. And if you sit in front of Tim Carroll long enough, you might learn how to do it. Mm. And so that's what I started doing. Is I was following guys like him around, and Travis Meadows and. You know, and then making friends with guys like you know, I got to, I was seeing like you know guys like Dave Pahanish play, like every Wednesday night running sound for him and like watching like how they were turning a phrase and how they were, and I scrapped everything that I had. Like mm-hmm. I I was like I'm not playing any of this stuff anymore. Um, nothing <laughs> that I came to town with, and I re and I just I was like none of this is good enough, mm-hmm. and so I scrapped good old fashioned pain pretty much, and I kind of still kind of dug this song to an extent but i just kind of got it in my head that anything that i had written previously to moving here sucked and i wasn't going to play anymore um and then i went with um lindsey we played up in new york city um we played at a place called the sidewalk cafe and they actually just closed but it was a really cool place um and and i we almost kind of i feel like we almost did it like a writer's round like you know where we would swap songs and I remember that, you know, she was like, you should play that good old-fashioned pain. And I was like, yeah, I just kind of want to play the new stuff. And I don't even remember what the new stuff was there because I don't even think I play it anymore. Um, but I was like, okay, fine. So I played it. And then, like, I had, like, three people from New York City come up to me afterwards. And they were like, "That uh, was that, like, Steve Earle or, like, oh, that yeah. good old-fashioned pain? Like, who wrote that? And I was like, that's actually one of mine. They're like, that's a great one. And I was like, 
Okay, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Like it always goes. Put it back yeah. on the list. Actually, I was gonna say this, and I, I, I hate to tell you this. Um, I'm sorry. Mm. Um, the song that you cut from your album is the one. Yeah, like Maybe. that's that's that is gonna be the song that if you ever decide to release it, it will. It's gonna be. It's <laughs> gonna be no, like like this happened. Uh, like my my ex wife when we were putting together like when she was young and 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 uh, Allison Krauss had asked her for a bunch of songs mm-hmm. and so it was like holy shit, Allison Krauss asking me for a bunch of songs. So you load up the CD, you know, back then and burn a CD or whatever of, you know, what songs do you want to put on there? What songs do you think that Allison's gonna want to do? And then there was this one song that she just felt like because she did it she wrote it when she was 18 she was still learning how to play guitar at the time when yeah. she played it she just always f- associated it with like I didn't know what I was doing then and just uh, through insistence of uh, some people uh, around her we were like put it you know put it on just put it on the end of it just put it on there and that was what got cut uh, and it ended up being hey, a single maybe, maybe we'll do a good old fashioned B-sides or something and, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's awesome hey but maybe I just you know let me ask you though yeah. so you had this like, uh, and also I think in, the, in this there was a really good review that you got in uh, savingcountrymusic.com is that the name of that oh uh, yeah 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 um, they, they really uh, raved about this record and as I remember it tell me if I'm wrong but I, I feel like the, the impression I got from the record and from listening to the record on like a Spotify mm-hmm. that you um it it really strikes me as like a whole, you know what I mean? And you keep talking about the sequencing and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah. So I want to know like how much of this stuff is like just like well, here's like the dozen songs that I that I eventually put together that I really loved, and I said, well, hell, that's an album. I'm making a record. Or is it more of a thing where you're sort of like writing songs to fit an album that you're creating okay um that's a good question and it's definitely the latter uh-huh um because they, they talk about that in the review so I like think, a concept you know, kinda, yeah there's it, almost it, like a concept it kind of on. is a loose concept yeah um and when i originally yeah, that, that's the word for it brian concept yeah. album um, <laughs> what am it's, i talking it's about it's definitely not like, <laughs> not in like the yes 1977 <laughs> no, way yeah, it's yeah. not like Tommy or something it's more like a red-headed, <laughs> yeah. like a red-headed stranger <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but it's, it's definitely um thematic and it follows like a th- there's a through line through the whole thing and that uh-huh. that definitely was intentional yeah um because like i've got songs um that i had written that i really like that i just didn't feel fit this one and they'll be for the next one yeah. right um and so i i feel like that there's a lot of um common themes now it's it's more of a loose concept um but you know it's everything kind of talks about similar things to an extent like you you have a lot of themes like pop up throughout the record like things like um generally just like what it's like to grow up right like to get a little you know to like become an adult from being a teenager um which is kind of an interesting way to start the record off with like a song that i wrote when i was a teenager uh-huh. um which i never really thought that i would record right um but then it just kind of i don't know like it it talks a lot about you know learning how to just deal with things that you can't control um figuring out how to contend with the fact that life is gonna throw you for a loop occasionally Mm -hmm. um and like so i really just i wrote all these songs and i would kind of know as i wrote them okay this goes together Mm -hmm. these are gonna this is gonna fit what i want to to do with this record um so the you know even the song that i didn't put on the record definitely fit 
it just I just you know I didn't like it but that's that that's another uh, another thing but um, yeah no it was definitely intentional and oh. the sequencing is intentional in that way too um I I wanted the last song to be sorry for growing up because I really felt like that it put kind of a bow on top of everything mm-hmm. and you know I also kind of thought it was an kind of an unconventional thing to do also to put a piano ballad at the end of a country record you know Mm -hmm. like i feel like that might have been something that people would have been like nah you probably shouldn't do that you should probably put that you know in the middle of the record and i was like nah i i feel like i'm just gonna do what i feel like i want to do yeah because you know what like i i i put the whole thing out and like I don't have to I really don't have to answer it to anybody yeah, right? yeah. that's the irony right like yeah. if, you, if you are as successful as you uh, are capable and, and want to be in all the ways that you've worked so hard to get to then guess what the more successful you are the more people that are going to be involved that are telling you uh, this is how this is going to go yeah and there's levels to that stuff and uh, so you know any chance that you have to fully flex your autonomy and do whatever the fuck you want to do do that and then also while you can you have to do what you can and ultimately Mm -hmm. you hopefully can still uh, if if you have an, uh, an acumen for what you're doing right then people won't contest so much maybe your choices or decisions uh, when they start to be something that's uh, maybe involving a little bit more of a committee if that makes mm-hmm. any sense so well, yeah. so like it's good that you're just kind of like it's good that you've you've, you've fully um, been through every part of the process and, and exercise a lot of discipline uh, and focus through it which by the way is sort of like probably informed by your martial arts experience which I know we would like we to sort of talk today. Uh, yeah, yeah we, should, we'll, <laughs> we, should, we should fold that over um, well you know this is this is kind of the way that I think about it when it comes to making my own, you know, decisions or whatever. Is it there is a ton of music out and it's coming out every single day. And there's a lot of country music coming out. There's a lot of Americana stuff like, you know, whatever this record fits into, right? So I feel like why else would anybody listen to my record if mm. I'm not being if I'm not doing me, right? Right. Because like if if they don't if they don't like, you know, my perspective or my per, my personal choices on the record, then there's a lot of records they can go buy. So I feel like the very least I have to give them me, right? Yeah. Um, so that's kind of how I kept going back to it. it was like, yeah, maybe, you know, maybe uh, so-and-so wouldn't have done it this way, but I would, so that's what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Because why else would they buy the record? You know, they mm-hmm. want to, they want something, I, I assume that they want something that's, uh, um, you know me right uh, right I, I hope so like yeah, the that's, way to cut through the noise is not be noise it's exactly right yeah. um so yeah anyway uh that's just kind of the way that i thought about it i'm like all hype hyped up because <laughs> i wanted a coffee and um she gave me a large coffee oh. <laughs> um yeah we, we all just sit here nice and drink coffee as the sun's going down and i don't know if it's advisable yeah, but like hype um, is great but brian just brought up the fact that we were also going to say congratulations on your blue belt oh, you just you. got your blue belt like two weeks ago is that right yeah or, something like that like yeah. a couple weeks ago so and you're at artista artista right? yeah and that's also where um uh, our previous adam, guest yeah. adam ross yes. uh, was at so people you go back and listen to Adam's yes, you should, uh, for episode sure. which is great and he gives you a good introduction to that uh, academy mm-hmm. um, but how, like, when did you you started making record in 2017 I'm assuming you probably started jiu-jitsu around the same time yeah um, I started jiu-jitsu it takes about two years to get that blue belt yes uh, <laughs> I started in well so I started right after I got off the voice 
is when it was because we that's haven't even talked about the voice yet. Yeah, yeah. So this is yeah. I I, I always forget. Um, it's been like two years. So Taylor was on the Voice. Yeah, and that you, show. If you've ever heard of yeah, the, the you auditioned t- when they came to Nashville and you you were chosen to be on the show by Blake Shelton. No, uh, is that right? Adam uh, Adam oh, Levine. Adam picked yeah, you. Yeah, oh, uh-huh. okay. That's interesting. I don't. I, I'm, I guess I'm not remembering it correctly. I it's fine. That, and I, of course, I think but that Blake would go for you. It's interesting that Adam went for you. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah. again, I did something unconcentional I yeah. think because tell him what you did in case well, people didn't know carjacked him yeah no I <laughs> I, thre- I threatened him through no uh, I um well here's the thing is I think you need to know it, your strengths uh-huh. as an as an artist or performer and I happen to know that I'm not a I'm not like a um vocal acrobatic kind of singer yeah i knew I, that that's where you're going yeah, yeah i'm more yeah. of a I'm, i've always been more of a crooner you know <laughs> yeah for a lack of a better I, I think term that, i think you can claim that i think that's a good, yeah, a good word i don't for know it. if that's like an over and you sing in a lower register yeah, generally, generally than a lot of singers range you know it's not about gymnastics yeah i just yeah. can't do it i really can't i'm and, not and why um, should you it's not it's it's not what i do it's right? not sports so yeah. i was like you know what i'm not gonna go it, it's it you know it's like i'm not gonna go try out for the basketball team either you know because mm-hmm. i'm also five foot six <laughs> so like i just i know i know what i can do and what i can't do yeah so i was like you know what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna pick something super off the wall and see if that turns ahead um and so i decided i um i i i got the master list of songs or whatever and i i was like i my old band when we were playing in athens we used to do um, almost like a pretty similar arrangement of that share song believe and we would do it kind of as a country song uh, and because people uh, would freaking like yeah. they're like oh that's weird that's why are you yeah. doing that but also that's a really cool song and i hadn't really thought about it and know? it really it translates it really cool well song. to that to that yeah, to that well written song it's exactly yeah, right like totally. this is what's cool about like just like you know that um you know popular pop music right like that song structure of like you know a verse chorus verse chorus bridge chorus will get you really far yeah and you can interpret it in a lot of ways right 100%. like there's like so many great emmylou harris uh interpretations of like Beatles songs uh-huh. that she like makes country and you're like man that's sick like i you know wish i would have thought to do that right and so it was kind of out of that same tradition i was like i'm gonna do something weird and just see what happens and it happened to just like strike a chord with Adam. Yeah, that's cool. Um, well, which that works cool. out really well too because she like share and the notion of share is such an absolute sort of star-studded show of a mm. like a, sort of a caricature of show business in, in, in many ways in a good way, right? Like mm-hmm. I'm just saying, yeah. she's larger than time. life, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so yeah, larger than life and and something uh, universal. Yeah, uh, about that. And, and so for you to tackle that from the grounded perspective of a crooner, you know, as of, you say, of like, right? yeah, hey, yeah. like this is actually a cool song, right? Yeah. You know, like it's it's cool. It's a great it's contracts got, yeah. or just juxtaposition. Yeah. It's really good. Um, yeah. So that's what I did with that. But um, and so you made it. You got onto the voice you were in it for a week or so and then you got yes. and then after you got cut though they talk about this in, in the uh, Saving Country Music Review mm-hmm. they talk about the fact that in some ways maybe that's a good thing for you because it gave you exposure it got you a, mm-hmm. a, the name of a guy who's been on The Voice which sure. is obviously a great resume builder for a young song, singer-songwriter um, but in some ways you know he, the guy uh, the, who wrote this review he, he, he basically says and you know, it's like you got the best of that, but you didn't get the worst of that in the sense that you did, wouldn't didn't get painted into a corner as a certain kind of artist because of a TV show. Yes, and I think that that can be part of the danger mm. for stuff like that. Is um, um, 
you know like i felt like for instance like i had on a cowboy hat for that show and and that was you know that was partially like hey you know we're doing a country song like let's you know let's get you in a stetson a little cool i'm like yeah sweet but then like i would get this feeling like every time i played after that i was like man i have to wear the cowboy hat and i don't really want to wear the cowboy hat yeah because like i never really was a cowboy hat guy i was like right. i grew up playing punk right like, <laughs> like you don't do, you know so like yeah it's not that i don't like the cowboy hat i just didn't i didn't feel as comfortable i didn't feel like myself right right so I felt like a little bit of that, like, but you know, obviously stuff like that people don't care about, right? You know? Right, sure, sure, um, sure. And like, and I got to do a country song and I make country music, so it worked perfectly. Yeah, you didn't have to compromise um, who you were. Oh, and, and then yeah. I got to sing a Garth Brooks song, which is awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I that's got to great. kind of sing it because I can't sing it like Garth can sing okay, so, it. Okay, so we got that, we got the, the voice in and some people who might yeah. not have known about your voice appearance, now they, they get the backstory for that. Yeah. But like, as you okay, were saying, so around the same time. So this is what happened was uh, for Christmas. Uh-huh. Um, which would have been 2016. Okay. Um, I don't think. No, we were we were we were we weren't engaged. Um, me and Lindsay. Um, yeah, because it was 2016. So she like I had been talking about like man, I really want to like. I just feel like I want to do something active. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I lived in Georgia before I moved to Nashville, um, I was training. Um, I I had trained some jujitsu. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also I did um. The, uh, something called American Kempo, which is kind of it's like karate. Yeah, but like I, I just wanted to because I was like really interested in martial arts, and I was like, and like Why? I, didn't, I don't know, <laughs> you know, like I, I just felt like I wanted to, uh-huh. and like, and because I didn't watch um, UFC, I didn't really know about it. Yeah, I didn't know, I didn't like, um, I didn't really know about Muay Thai, like, uh-huh. or else I probably would have done that. Yeah, but um, I. I just ended up at this gym and they and, and, and the guy he, um and you'd never even like seen jujitsu before and no. you ended up in this jujitsu. No, I don't gym. think so. And so like, weird. And so like he was teaching Kimpo, you know, and I was like, Oh, this is kinda neat. But then he was like he was like, Hey, um I'm he was a brown belt at the time, he's a black belt now, and he was like I'm going to start some jujitsu classes. And I was like, he was like, you might be really into it because you're kind of like a smaller guy and, you know, it teaches you like cool leverage and all this kind of stuff. And I was like, um, that sounds dope. So, um, and so like, you're he, like, I've been, I got a whole list of people I've been waiting to just <laughs> like choke out with their own shirt. You know? the fuck out of that guy. So, and so like he, Get ready, he started, he started training me in uh, jujitsu a little bit. And I had only, I, I don't feel like that I got to train for more than a few months. Like, I think I got a stripe on my belt. Uh-huh. Um, uh, the uh, the gym's called Underground uh, Martial Arts in Buford. Mm-hmm. If anybody's in Buford and wants to train jiu-jitsu, go train with Norman because um, he's really good and he's a black belt. Um, <laughs> but uh, I just really loved it. I was like, I just for it like really suited my personality. I felt like it. Um, I just I loved it at the and, and but when I moved to Nashville, um, on, it was just too expensive. I couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and because when I first moved here, I was kind of doing like I'm not going to get a regular job. I'm going to see what I can do with just playing. Yeah. And I did that for a while, and then I just kind of like fell out of, um, you know, I kind of got in a rut of like not being active. And so I started just feeling like, and I told Lindsay, and I was it can like, be hard in Nashville where everybody plays music and everybody's got a right. spot for live people to play. It's exactly, it's right. hard to make money doing it. Yeah, you and, know. And I, I think it, I think I probably was maybe working at the Family Wash, 
probably around that time. And Lindsay, so I told Lindsay, I was like, I want to, I want to like get active again. Maybe I can do jujitsu again. And she was like, so for Christmas, she bought me a month um, oh, yeah. of jujitsu. Marry at, that woman. Yeah. And I did. <laughs> I did. Cause she picked really well too. Um, so it was originally a Gracie Baja gym. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and it was, it was in Green Hills. It's just down the street from where Artista is. And Felix um, was, I think, a purple belt at the time, and the Gracie Baja, Baja was having a hard time keeping um, a a full time coach. Mm-hmm. And Felix kind of worked his way in. And you might actually want to have him on; it could be cool to talk. Yeah, about. Adam mentioned the same yeah, thing. Um, I can get you in touch with him um, just to hear it. He, he's a he's a fascinating guy. And um, but anyway, so. Him and his wife are like, okay, let's see if we can just buy this thing and take it over. Mm. And and he's like my age. He might even be like a year younger than me, but I think wow. we graduated high school the same year. So he's like 26. Wow. And so he was probably 24 at the time. Uh-huh. And he took the gym over. And so right and at, when at I that started. time, he was a purple belt. Um, Is that right? Yeah. And then so he, he's a young guy. Yeah. And, and for people who don't know, you essentially, generally speaking, you have to be at least a purple belt to be an instructor. Mm-hmm. So he's like just barely at the beginning of instructing and taking over a Gracie Baja gym. Yeah. And then, that's great. It's yeah, so ambitious. Yeah. 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 And he's, and he just, he just did it and he did a, a fantastic job with it. I mean, he's tripled, I think he's more than tripled the, the amount of people yeah. in about, two years wow which is crazy that's great um especially in something like jujitsu which yeah know, but anyway so he took it over and i started training with him and it was still gracie baja but him and val were starting the process of taking it over and then uh-huh. they re renamed it artista and mm. then we were kind of independent for a while and then um, it was, and then and now we're a part of a, we're an Athos gym now. So mm-hmm. uh, we were a part of that team. So, mm-hmm. uh, and, and like Guy and Hoffa Mendez are kind of like the professors over right. our school. Right. Um, so, and then we moved to a new space, which is just down the street from where we were under the Starbucks in Green Hill. So <laughs> we were under the Starbucks for a couple of years and now we're just down. Um, right. Down That's gotta be a Hillsboro. song title or something where, under oh, the where, Starbucks. Where I remember when it was under the Starbucks yeah. and there was like a big sign saying jujitsu, right? Yeah. yeah. So where did, where are you guys at now? Um, just cause I don't actually know we where We're like is. basically across the street from, um, from the Whole Foods, like that whole yeah. deal. Yeah. So like, we're like, Caddy corner, kind of. Oh, so okay. we're like right across the street. I think what's right across the street is maybe. I can't remember. Um, but like Caddy Corner is the uh, Shake Shack, mm-hmm. so you can see that out the window. So it's like right there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, is that the right term, Caddy Corner? It's I like across so. the street diagonally. Right. Whatever that means. I understand. Uh, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah. want somebody to correct me. Like he doesn't know anything. <laughs> I don't. Um, I understand. You're saying it's, but if I look out the window, I see the Shake Shack. So if, yeah, I'm, yeah. if I can know where the Shake Shack is, yeah, I should be able right to see the, the, the gym. Yeah. That's great. Uh, next to the, ma- there's a mattress store right next to it. That's uh, a good. That's a good location. You walk yeah. down, just go right into the Whole Foods and get some wonderful, oh, yeah, uh, delicious uh, fuel. It, I mean, yeah, it's <laughs> sick. It's a great. It's a great. And y'all live in Germantown, is that right? No, we actually, we. Um, we live in Old Hickory now. Oh, in Old Hickory. Yeah, Old okay, Hickory yeah. Village. Oh, okay. So we actually we were, we bought a house. Um, oh, all right. So that's been recent though. Recent ish. Uh, we moved in. I think we bought the house in January. Uh, so we must have moved at the end of January. Oh, congratulations! Something like that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it's um, pretty out there, man. I don't know how we managed to do that 
and put out a record this year. <laughs> um, all I can really say is yeah, that we worked, we worked our asses off. Because um, yeah. so we think- really, we didn't have any help. I mean, we didn't really have, we just, we had a bunch of money in savings and we didn't really use the savings to put the record out. Mm-hmm. We would just, you know, like Lindsay would take on freelance stuff and I would just gig as much as we could and we would just yeah, pay. Just work it. As much as we could. And we, and we were able to buy a house. Uh, this year too which has been really awesome to kind of like stabilize because we were in Germantown for a while and then it just got so expensive right they raised our rent by like a lot and we're like we can't stay here you know we gotta go so Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's sad but true yeah sad but true yeah so what's going on with your jujitsu you you essentially are doing it mostly just what 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 why what is what is how does jujitsu fit into your life you know and 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 all the things you're doing because in my experience it's it's it doesn't just it's not just like oh i go to the gym sometimes and do this weird sport it's like sort of like everything blooms from the jujitsu sometimes <laughs> yeah we're, um where, where you, you, you train jujitsu too right at, it's a place called legion which is uh the the one that i started there if there's one in hendersonville there's one in murfreesboro and then there's a new one that just opened that's that's just behind grimy's uh, off trinity lane is that the um kind of like where they've got like a like a little bit of everything going where they have they have like boxing and muay thai or they have they have a striking class that they do there that's yeah. like a it's it's a bit more than just straight muay thai it's really sort of looking at you or know is it mixed mma strike specifically standing. Yeah. yeah and then and then the uh the the jujitsu classes are pretty much straight jujitsu classes okay. our affiliation is with uh checkmat oh so, yeah, yeah, yeah yeah okay so cool. they're the checkmat gotcha. team um, um uh, i was thinking of a different place they're yeah, a little they, bit our classes are a little bit more i think they're a little bit more sort of wrestling conscious just because our coaches have you know ncaa pedigrees and sure. so yeah that's you know sick. they're like they're like you know put your head in his rib cage when you do that double yeah, I'll just, yeah. I'm just gonna if we roll I'm just gonna pull guard because I don't I'm not, yeah, deal, yeah, I'm yeah. not dealing with that uh, double yeah. leg crap well, I didn't, uh. I've, been, I've been like doing various MMA things for about two years but I've only been doing jujitsu since like this year so I don't I'm still working on that first stripe man so I'm not very oh, much okay. I'm really trying to have cool. like a sticky spider guard if yeah. I can do that mm-hmm. that hey, would be well, good pretty soon yeah. you'll have some jacked up uh, knuckles yeah. like that do you see that yeah I, that, I don't think that's ever going to look right. Do you ever worry about your hands getting hurt as a guitar player? Yes. And fuck it. <laughs> kind of like fuck it, though, because yes. the, the benefits of the jujitsu matter like, more. I will hire a guitar player. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, like you were saying, like everything blossoms forth from the jujitsu. Um, what it really it is. It just takes a central place in it, your life eventually. It is such a mental health boost. No doubt. That I dude. think it just by virtue of that everything else becomes better 100% um yeah. and i think that's that that's one reason that i that i do it um another reason is to stay in shape obviously it's um, sense and to not um become you know like i, I you know i just i want to stay healthy and fit and yeah. you know um i also just love it you know mm. it's just insanely fun it's for su- one thing it's, it's fun. fun yeah you know, it's like so eddie, fun. eddie bravo you know we'll talk about He's like the reason, you know, it's it's like such a sure bet to open up a jujitsu gym because you're like, people are just going to get addicted to it because they're just like coming in to like just play. It's basically like coming in to play a video game. It like is. There's rules it really is. And there's ways to win, and there's all, and then you can never, you know, you can you can never learn enough 
There's yeah. always more to learn. Right. So for certain people with a certain personality, it's like the perfect, you know, sort of thing. It is. Um, and and like like all those things you're saying, for me, the thing of it is is like I have never been I've been an athlete really my whole life. Mm-hmm. But I tell you what, I like I no matter how much football I played, I never wanted to ever run or anything like that. Yeah. I've never been like into like taxing my cardio ever if yeah. I can avoid it. I just do not care for that at sure. all. But I don't like to run if either. something is fun enough, I'll do it all day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And that's that's the reason why the MMA in general, but certainly uh the jujitsu, it's like you you're dying, man, and and you can't wait to do it again. You know what I mean? Well yeah, exactly. And I think I I try to um encourage other musicians that I know, like it doesn't have to be jujitsu. But try to find a hobby, maybe an active one if you can, mm. that isn't music. Mm-hmm. Find something to pull you out of music for a while, at least a few times a week, because I find that just like I keeping agree, your bro. head too far down into music mm-hmm. can get really depressing. And um, it's also, you know, this is something that I've noticed too is like music tends to be one of these things that they're you can have clearly defined goals but there's really no clearly defined path of succession to mm-hmm. get to those goals mm, well because said you can do everything right you no, can no check curriculum you yeah. can you can look at every what is it sonic bids checklist that they email you every week or whatever that, that, that one is and you can do all of reverb the reverb nation yeah, said all the reverb nation stuff you can you can follow every oh, step that shit is garbage and it will not work sometimes yeah. sometimes it just will pr- work it's just yeah. preying on sometimes people sometimes it works for that guy but yeah. it, it is not something that there that you can clearly you know like anything else a lot of the time you know this, this is why I like jujitsu so much is if I practice my spider guard, my spider guard gets better. Yeah. And I sweep the guy that I can't sweep, you know. Or if I if I'm having a hard time with my stand-up game, I can practice my sprawl and I can drill and I can drill and eventually it's going to get better it's and one of the great things about jiu-jitsu is you right? just you see the clear evidence of progress exactly. over time. And sometimes <laughs> yeah. with music, that doesn't happen for a long time. <laughs> yeah. You can put in like I've like I've been playing music in a semi-professional capacity since I was like 17. Mm-hmm. Um, now I've been playing shows and stuff since way before that, but like, I because I graduated um, high school um, a semester early, so like I put out like a uh, a record with my first band like when I was 17, and I've been like playing shows and and doing and like trying to get out on the road and selling records mm-hmm. since like then for a decade now. Yeah, for like 10 yeah. years and. There has been very little evidence that mm-hmm. I've been doing it for 10 years, mm-hmm. right? Until there is, right? And so, like, sometimes there is, and then, you know, but you can't really, like, like I said, you can't clearly define those steps. Yeah. And so, I think, like, you know, I tell guys, is like, find something that you can put in an active amount of effort into, and it will give you a return. Mm-hmm immediately you know and remind you that you're a, a that a, you can succeed at yeah, something yeah exactly you know? for me, for you're me it's always a like failure you're yeah. good at things yeah. Yeah. Like, I think it's the same for you though yeah. but like for, for uh, Joe but I think it's also the same for me For like in, especially in my earlier years where I was really doing uh, music for you know uh, a living or as best I could or whatever I my thing that I went to was photography because um, 
making a record and recording music and creating music is so time consuming and laborious and long form process, right? It can take two years to get a record out or whatever. I just wanted to feel like I can go somewhere and something happens and I click a button and it and you is, can see your result. And right it, there it is. is what it is. <laughs> you know, and maybe I went after something. I really tried to capture something a certain way that I'd ideated yeah. or something. But ultimately, whether you failed or you got it or yeah. whatever, it's like, well, that's what happened. Yeah. And then you're done. This is not an ongoing thing. So I, I find that like that, that was at least for me the 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 alternate uh, sort of the, the the it's not immediate gratification, but kind of is like I just need something. To, I need to something. I need to see something go from ideation to action to completion very quickly and then be able to judge whatever I did, yeah. I did and then enhance that idea and then move on and yeah. it's not music. It's super important I think for and I I don't want to be an armchair psychologist over here but like <laughs> that's I, the name of your next record. Yeah. My next record is like Absolutely full of crap, armchair uh, psychologist, and you know whatever. If it's country, it's got to be front porch. Yeah, <laughs> front porch psychologist. <laughs> but I really do think that um, that's something. Rocking chair, maybe like yeah, <laughs> rocking chair psychologist. <laughs> but like, uh, this has been so true for me that I assume that it's somewhat universal. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah. But like, I really do think that that you know hit, you hit the nail on the head. Like, you want to find something where you can take the initial ideation all the way through to some form of payoff that isn't empty payoff because you can sit at home and play video games where like you win but I don't think it makes you feel the same way like not that there's anything I like to play video games too not and there's nothing wrong with it but I think that it's there needs to maybe there needs maybe the physicality of jujitsu or martial arts or running it has to be a genuine challenge maybe that's what it is you know maybe it's like so because like uh, you know when I started jujitsu like everybody, I was terrible. Yeah. Um, and I'm I, I'm also really small. I'm That's like, how you know you're on the right path. Yeah. You're like, awful. I weigh, <laughs> yeah. like, I, I'm a rooster weight. So that's as small as you can be as a male in jujitsu. Um, I have room. Like I could gain seven pounds, I think, and still be a rooster weight. <laughs> what, is, what is a rooster weight? Um, I think it's, I think IBJJF is 127 and under. Whoa! Yeah. So, so we're about the same height, but I'm I weigh about a buck forty five. <laughs> yeah, see, I wish I did. Um, I can show you the way. Yeah, <laughs> I can't get. I'll away. show you I'm the way. Just got a fifty first deli over here, <laughs> yeah. dude. That place is so good. Yeah, yeah. I'm going there after this. Yeah, <laughs> um, but like, so I, I, yeah, I was really really small, and so I feel like I I get I was getting frustrated in jujitsu. Never to the point of like I'm quitting, but like it, you know. My coach Felix kept telling me it was like you know don't get frustrated because it just means that your technique has to be your timing and your technique just has to be perfect mm-hmm. because you're not going to be able to muscle somebody into something. Yep. You're not going to be able to force it, and and that's why they call it the gentle art. Yeah, because you really do, and I think obviously this is where everyone intends to turn it. Like no matter the weight class, you do everyone has at a certain level has to get to where their technique and their timing is great but like i have to or else i'm not sweeping adam ross <laughs> yeah at all and i'm still not but you know <laughs> if my timing's not good that's not gonna happen right and it's i'm there's no amount of strength that i can li- literally conjure that's going to make that happen so like mm-hmm. it was super frustrating but it just meant find the positions that you like being in 
figure out how to get to them, figure out your submissions that you like and just practice them to where your timing, you can hit them every time, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that sort of payoff of like really having to, you like if there are like, it's like devastating uh, initially if you fail, because <laughs> you know immediately that you failed and you know why you failed a lot of the time. Mm. It's like, oh, I was trying to go, I was trying to shoot a triangle on that guy from, uh, from, you know, from my, from my, uh, I'm trying to think of what I was working on at the time. Like, you know, probably from a spider guard, right? I'm trying to shoot that triangle and the timing was off. So he just threw my leg and <laughs> now he's choking me from behind. Yeah. And, and it's like, okay, so how can I make sure that doesn't happen? Well, uh, you have to, you have to wait to your, for the timing. You have to break their posture down, then shoot the triangle. Oh, yeah. you didn't have the arm all the way through. So you can't arm bar the guy if his elbow's out, right? right. So there's all this kind of stuff that like, you know, you have to if you don't get it right you immediately know uh-huh. and if you do get it right you immediately know and you like you know just uh-huh. keep working keep working but you know that is that's why it's been so beneficial for me is like like i said 10 years of music it's like i think this song is good i'm happy with it <laughs> no one in this room cares at all mm. nobody in the next room might care at all maybe the next show somebody likes it but then the show after that no one will listen mm-hmm. and some guy yells from you know from the back of the crowd to play um a uh, free bird because it it's funny. Yeah. You know, like it's good to have. You know, that's my long go, rant. That is never going to go away. Yeah. The, the free bird thing will just never go away. No, it's a good song. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with the song at all. That's the shame of it. Is that it's it's cool. Yeah, <laughs> it's just that people think that they're funny when they right. yell in the middle of your ballad. So where can people find your record? Pretty much anywhere at this point, right? Um. Yeah, um, you know, if you if you stream Spotify, Apple Music, whatever, uh, iTunes, Amazon, um, I have a web store up uh, on uh, IamTaylorAlexander.com. Um, yeah, I'd love to mail you one. Yeah. Hit me up on Instagram, uh, Facebook, whatever. Um, yeah, and we'll we'll post everything, all the links for everybody too. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, and uh, why don't you shout out who uh, who did the album art again? Because that uh, that album art's beautiful, and it really is a testament. Again, as you've been talking about how like you just walk this through every detail yeah. and made it exactly what it needed to be, and the album art really is a just um, you, when you see that album art, you realize, whoa, this is a project. Yeah. To close, I can do a really quick story about that. Um, there is a an old lithograph that my. Um, my my friend that was in my band Young America his parents had from the 1800s it was up it was the basically the album Martin it was the Lord's Prayer and the Ten Commandments around where the ti- where the track names are and I saw that like 10 years ago and I was like I want that to be an album cover at some point and I I was asking them if they could scan it for me uh-huh. and they couldn't do it and so I was like oh that's okay and they actually looked it up and found one on eBay and mailed me one and gifted oh, it to me wow, wonderful. so then I had it scanned uh, very carefully because it was brittle and old and then Brandon Santiago um, he's got a company called Double Struck Designs mm. he was able to make it a square and then remove the text and keep keep it looking the same and then we put good old fashioned paint in the middle and then the the track listing so track cool. listing yeah. Yeah, it's a really cool and I mean, he designed the rest of the art yeah yeah it's super super looking album and a super sounding album and it's an album that's getting rave reviews and we're happy to have you on the show and well thank y'all for having me when we come back on like we'll get you back on here maybe we'll talk more jujitsu next time but yeah but uh but it's it's always fun when we've got a guest who can talk about you know an art thing and a fight yeah, thing so it. wonderful to have I'll you do, on yeah, congrats on like long, fighting the hard fight getting thank it you. done right being patient doing all the right things like you know congratulations that's a that's a lot and I don't think 
it's just an easy thing for people to overlook or just be like, oh, he worked really hard. Like, it is, to go through the creative and the the searching yourself for what you're actually saying, yeah. and then to put it together, communicate it to other people, get it back in a way that makes sense, then get you know, earn the, the money, next, manage the budget, all yeah, that shit. Man, just a lot. Yeah. It's, it's hard as hell to make a record and so uh, congrats I just want to make sure that and by the way now uh, you know there's a tattoo shop next door uh, we actually oh. did an episode with Carrie Cameron who she was on Ink yeah, Masters yeah, yeah. and all this yeah um uh, we're gonna go. We're gonna all go get tattoos now. Is that cool? Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. We, we old fashioned pain. We get, <laughs> yeah. we get tattoos with all of our guests. We are fifty two episodes good in now. Old fashioned pain. Okay. And then when we stand together, we'll say the whole album name. <laughs> I, want, I want pain. Yeah. You gotta give uh, give our best to Lindsay too. Yes. Yeah. All right. Hey, thanks a lot, man. Thank y'all. All Anytime. Right. Joe, thank you. Thank you, Brian. All right. Later on. Thanks, listeners. Hey guys, I love the Art Fight podcast, and I listen to every episode even though I am a robot trying to sound like an actual person. I know it takes a lot to keep the podcast going. How can I help? Go to anchor.fm forward slash Art Fight Podcast. Click on the button, the big old button that says support this podcast. And once you get there, you'll have three options. You can just choose the lowest level. You're going to pledge 99 cents a month to, to our production and and help us out again anchor.fm forward slash art fight podcast click on support this podcast all right thanks everyone